If you're a teacher, new or experienced, expert or novice, ag or other, and want to connect with someone who gets what you're going through, stick with me and we can laugh and learn our way through this year together. Today we're talking about three um, different things. The first is classroom behavior, um, asking for help from admins, and then how I decided to structure my ag mechanics classes. So week two was a whole new beast with dealing um, with classroom management and behavior. And there was a couple reasons for that. Um, the first being, like, we're into week two. Students tested boundaries last week to kind of see where things were at. But this is, like, their their first real week of how it's actually going to be um, between them and then me as the teacher. Um, because I am a new teacher to this program, and they, they're used to things going a certain way. Um, and so they're they're testing the waters and, and testing me. and So it's just different behavior issues that I didn't um, think that I'd have to deal with. So in Woodshop, um, for the first, the first day of school, I didn't um, do assigned seats. But the high school I did... Um, so they came, they sat, and I knew after that day we were going to have to do some assigned seats um, because they did not choose wisely when they um, were deciding who to sit by. And so I mixed it up the next day, and it was better, but I still had some, I mean, getting to know the students, I uh, still had some friend groups together that were a little bit too high-strung. And so I very simply just tried alphabetical by first name just around each table around the room. And so I can tell right off the bat if someone's out of order um, just by knowing their names because they're alphabetical by first name. Um, and it also makes it easier for them to remember where they sit and who they sit by. And then attendance is really easy too. And it happened to work out in seventh grade and eighth grade um, that that's a really good order and a good arrangement. So I guess I got lucky there. Um we're working on safety, uh, and we we got through most of the way through the large equipment. So I've got um, bandsaws, a miter saw, um, a, like a large sander, um, and then a drill press. And so those were the four large equipment pieces that we were working on. So one of the assignments, um, we went through... Uh, there's like a, a past safety test that I found like the old teacher used. Um, I went through and I was trying to see, so I, I had him take the test, trying to see what they knew, if they knew anything. Um, it wasn't graded. It was just trying to gauge the information that they knew. Um, I printed out the safety section of each of the manuals for each of the equipment. We broke out into different groups and, um, and then shared the three most important pre-operation, operation, and post-operation procedures that we should use. Um, so we took all of that safety information um, and started writing out our thought process for when we use each piece. Um, and this is when I ran into one of my very first big behavior issues. Um, I was standing near the bandsaw, um, giving the kids an example of um, what the thought process sounds like and what I would write. Um, and it's 
before I use the bandsaw, I make sure that the area is clear, um, and none of my peers are in the space. I have my safety glasses, my hair is up, I have no loose clothing. While I'm using the bandsaw, I'm blah blah blah, on and on. Um, when I got to the portion of in use, I turned, and the students who were um, just out of sight to the left, one of them had both of his hands near his mouth, inhaled and I saw something plastic that looked like a mouthpiece and so I immediately thought that's a vape um and so immediately told him I would meet him in the office after school and he wanted to argue and it's like nope you know the rules no I'll meet you at the principal's and so he went he went down to the office um and then between classes I went and stopped by and the the principal was like don't worry I'll come and talk to you about it um when I get the chance, and I was like, okay, cool, just touching base, making sure that, like, we're doing good, um, so the student, um, he said that he thought he got sent down there because he was making noise, and that he didn't think that it was fair because the person next to him was making more noise, um, so then, like, he talked to the principal, and then the prin- we have um, cameras all through the school, so the principal, like, looked through the different cameras to see, um, like, if he, like, had anything, because um, I thought that it was a vape. Um, so he came back and talked to me, um, and I was sure that the, the thing that I saw was the mouthpiece to a vape pen. Um, but so he brought the student back to the class um, afterwards, and we talked for a minute, and I, he had me explain to the student what I saw um, and why I reacted the way that I did. Um, and that I was doing that because I want, I want this student to be safe and I care about them and I, I don't want them to vape and I, I want them, um, and I, I care about them. I want them to be safe. And so after I explained that, he said, oh yeah, it's like, here's, here's the thing that looked like that. I, I understand. So I loved like having a good relationship with my admin. Um, and that after that, incident we all three of us me the admin and the student got to sit down and explain um what happened what we thought happened um why those steps were taken and it was so awesome um so then the next day when the student came back in uh, we were on great terms he understood that even if even if it was a vape pen which now i i don't think that it was um he knows that in the future that that's not something that's acceptable in my classroom. Um, so I love that the principal made um, made that into a, a positive experience for all of us. Um, and I didn't feel like a dumb first-year teacher. Um, and then the student also didn't feel like I was targeting them and blaming them for something that they didn't do. Um, I think that that was just handled really well. So have a good relationship with your principal. It it pays. Um so also in Woodshop this week, we set up our AET accounts, which was so hard, <laughs> and I don't know why. Um, they, so I printed off the, the worksheet that AET puts out. I did it with the high schoolers the previous week, and so like I knew how to use it. It's pretty self-explanatory. Follow the steps. These are where they're going to need help. Um... And that 
that worksheet, I think, was too much for the middle schoolers. Um, I think it could have gone a lot better. But I also had a lot of struggle. Like, the, it's got the three main boxes across it that says my chapter ID is, my username is, and my password is. And so we have our, our ID number. I wrote it on the board, and then their bell work was to take a worksheet and copy it from the board onto their worksheet. So they've already identified it. Um, their username... I did first initial, last name, um, and then used my first initial and my last name as an example. And then the passwords were all the same. Um, it was on the board, it was on the worksheet, and when they logged in, it asked for those three things, and we knew where they were at. Oh my gosh, kids struggled. The Just typing in the URL, the A-E-T, there's too many vowels close together, um, they were typing in the A-T or T-H-A-E-T or T-H-E-E-T. Anything except for the A-E-T. Um, and they were struggling, so I, I wrote it out. Because on the worksheet, it just has the like www.theet. And so it's all squished together, um, lowercase. So I wrote it real big on the board, the A-E-T. And they still struggled so much. Um, which was really interesting. So I'm hoping that next week when we get our Chromebooks back out, um, I'll start setting up our SAE projects and those records that that goes better. But I've got to do some reflecting on that and how to, how to make that work for the middle schoolers. Um, so if you're thinking about using that worksheet, I would go through and edit it and take out some of the wordiness of it, um, and make it simpler for those younger students. Um, So that's what I'm going to do, and then I'll save that for next year. But it was just funny. Every time I turned around, they were having login issues, their usernames, like they were misspelling their own last names. Um, So I had my computer open um, to like edit things in case I spelled it wrong. And they're like, oh no, that's right. Oh wait, no, my computer. I did it wrong. I was like, oh my gosh. Okay. And then going through like the filling in the demographics, um, they needed background information before we did that. Even some of the high schoolers struggled with that. They didn't know what the word ethnicity me- meant. Um, and so I told the students, it's like, look at your drop down menu, look at your options. It's your choice on how, how you and your family identifies. And there's this kid who it says that his his grandma is Hispanic and he has some some long lost relative that's Native American. Um and we we have students who attend our school who are part of a Native American tribe, like members of the tribe. Um and this kid's telling me that he's got whatever, like one sixteenth Native American, and so he's gonna choose that one. And the girl across from him who is actually Hispanic and Native American. She was like, no, you're not. You can't choose that one. No, you're not. And I was like, it's, self, it's self-choice. It's self We all get to choose the way that, what we identify. It's like, you you get to pick today. And this kid was like, well, I'm picking that. And this girl, she was like, not having it. She's like, you are not, like, you're not those things. And he's like, yes, I am. Technically, I am. So that was funny. Um to think that next year when I go to get those set up, we're going to go through some like vocab terms and 
figure out what things mean first. Um, and then I think that it'll be, we'll be more successful setting up those accounts. Um, it was just a little bit too much all at once, but great kids. But after those two class periods with the seventh graders and then the eighth graders setting up the AET accounts, oh my gosh, I was exhausted just because they needed my attention like every three seconds. So now we know I'm going to, I'm going to bring that down a couple levels next year. So at the high school this week, I really struggled. Um, part of my issue is that there was, there's three kids in particular um, who weren't here for the first week of school because they were at um, a fair and now they are here this week um, and they're pretty strong personalities anyways. Um, but they weren't here the first week when we were establishing classroom expectations and um, they were figuring out who I am and we all figured out how to work together in the classroom. Um, I think they would have been challenging if they would have been here that first week anyways. But now in the second week when everyone else already has it figured out, they're pushing extra hard um, because nobody else is pushing and now they view themselves as dominant personalities in the classroom. Which is very interesting. Um, so there's there's some struggle there with those kids. Um, and they, they're needing to understand um, who's in charge and how this class is going to go and how they are expected to act in this classroom. So what was really challenging was on Friday. Um, I have uh, plant science and then usually... Um, Monday through Thursday, after plant science, it's lunch, and then the next class. But on Friday, since we have a short schedule, um, our class after lunch gets bumped to before lunch. And so we had those two classes back to back. And those challenging students are in the next class. Um, and they just struggled to sit down and listen. Um, and it was just it was hard. Um, Friday was really hard. Um, it was their first home football game, so I know that they were hyped for that. It was Friday at the end of the week. Um, there was just so much, so much social life going on um, that it was hard to maintain the, the classroom expectations. Um, and also this week, what I'm noticing at the high school is that the, the older kids, um, they don't want to re-go through safety. Um, and they don't, like, they don't want to have to prove to me that they can safely weld before they start welding. But there's no way I'm going to let them start welding without, <laughs> without knowing that they're, they can be safe. Because I don't, I don't know what the previous teacher taught. And I don't know what they expected. And I don't know what they upheld. Um, and I don't, I don't know any of that. And I'm not, I'm not risking my certificate, my license, myself. I'm not. No, that would be dumb. Um, so it's mostly the seniors and the ones who took a lot of shop classes last year that are pretty proficient. They do not want to go through safety. And so, um, like, that's turning into behavior issues where they're um, talking. Well, so I found this assignment or, or this paper, and someone took OSHA standards and boiled it down to 40 items that apply in most shop and work environments. And I think all but four directly relate to what we're doing. Um, 
And so we each, we split up the numbers and who had which one, and then they drew a, a picture and then the full text at the bottom. And then the next day, we shared those out so that everybody heard all of them. Um, and so I had them explain the picture, read the text, and then explain how that applies to us in this classroom. Um, and anytime anybody said anything about how it applies to us in this classroom, they're like, well, duh, obviously. Um, so that kind of language is not working, is not going to work. Um, and something that I've got to, I'm going to pull a couple kids aside on Monday and talk to. Because um, I, don't, I don't really care what their feelings are on if they think safety is dumb or not. Because um, my expectation is that they're going to be safe in the shop. Um, so we'll get that figured out. The, oh, where am I? Um, oh, so with that, with that challenging week on Friday, I had those hard classes back to back. Um, I was so frustrated. So at lunch, I was sitting and reflecting, thinking about things that I could do and, and what I should do and, um, what do I need to change to make this more successful? Um, and I decided that after school, I was going to just go ask the building principal, um, said, uh, I have a great relationship with both of my principals um, at the middle school who I already talked about. He's great. And then at the high school, um, she's also awesome. So I went in and sat with her after school on Friday and just explained like what was happening and, and which students and um, like what I was just seeing in the classroom. Um, and she was so helpful. Um, she gave me like a couple recommendations for what to do with these kids and then what to do with those kids and who like how the students interact with one another because um, they're all they're juniors and seniors so she's had them at the school for a while so she knows how they've responded in the past um, and some good some good practices to use um, but it was awesome to just sit and talk with her um, about what was happening and what she recommends um, and we started talking about the FFA chapter and some of my ideas for this fall um, and she's just really excited about the about the program and and the chapter and everything that we're doing. Um, and she thinks it's going to be really good. So having that relationship with her and asking for help and then also talking about my entire program is so important. So if you're not, if you're not close with your um, principals or your administration yet, go and meet with them and just talk about your goals for the year or maybe something small that you're struggling with. Um, just reach out. And build up that relationship. Um, I'm having a great experience with it. So, so those are some of the behavior issues. Um, and then I'm, I'm leaning on my admins for help for that. So let's talk about my ag met classes. I have two sections of ag mechanics. Um, the first class has six students in it. And the next class has 13. Um, I have one hand plasma torch. Um, a CNC plasma table, that's Lincoln brand, um, three MIG welders, and five ARC welders, everything's Lincoln. Um, I have one oxyacetylene cart, and then I have a second one, I need to get, um, some acetylene, there's an, um, oxygen cylinder on the cart, but not acetylene, and some hoses, and some tips, and then I've got two oxycetylene stations. Um, I also have wood shop at the high school. So I've got band saws, a um, whole bunch of hand tools, miter saws, um, table saw, 
some good stuff there. So in my AgMet classes, I have lots of options for what we can do. So what I, knowing that last year, um, the students were given a lot of freedom on what they're working on and what they were working towards, um, and they're used to that freedom, I decided to to take that, um, that student choice of what they were working on and then add some structure to it. Um, we'll see how this year goes and then I'll probably change it next year. But, so I gave every single student a calendar um, and I added like Labor Day, the days that we don't have school, um, our short days, our like Thanksgiving break, end of quarters, semesters, stuff like that. So I added that information into the calendars. Every student got their own calendar, and then I also gave them a packet of all of the available units of study, um, descriptions of them, objectives within them, um, how long it would take to complete each one, and then if they need to complete any other units of study before a specific unit. Um, so the first one that we're going through is safety, and we're all going through it together. I'm using those that list of 40 that I found. Um, and then that's going to be the the test is broken down, those 40 items. Uh, they have to receive an A in order to pass. Otherwise, we're going to go back and do, they'll, they'll need to go back and do an additional activity. And then they can retake the test. And then if they still don't have an A, we'll do an additional activity and then retake the test. Um, so that's scheduled. By the end of next week, we should be finished with it. Um, except for maybe some students that are struggling. The second unit will take two weeks in its basic shop skills. And I gave them four options for what they could do. Um, they can either do tool ID, metal ID, woods ID, or math for welders. I did not have anybody choose that last option. <laughs> but I gave them options. So for tool ID, um, what they would do is I'd gather an array of different tools in the shop that are fairly common. Um, and then from that pile or box of tools, the students would need to go through and research the names of the tools, cite their source from where they got that name from. Um, and then to pass the unit, they would need a 90% accuracy um, of being able to recall the names of the shop tools. And so I would just lay those all out on the tables and then they would go through and identify all of the tools. Um, and so they would do the research in the first place and then they would test on it, um, which would take about two weeks to get done. For metal ID, I stole this unit um, from my college class. And so I would gather a whole bunch of different kinds of metals and I um, provided them a list and then they would go through and create some sort of a study guide for how to like distinguish between them um, some differences and like a, a tool to help them identify these what I created in my college class was a flow chart um, and the very first question is it magnetic or non non-magnetic and so I immediately split them into two groups and then went through um a whole bunch of different questions to narrow down how each one of them um, is different. Um, so that that would be an option if they wanted to create a flowchart or um, different 
um, like different things on each one that's individual to help them identify, like whatever that looks like. So have to create some sort of a resource and then um, they would test a need at 90% or higher. So they'd have to accurately identify at least 90% of these metals. Um, and then there's Wood's ID, which has like two less than the metals ID. But so there's different options since I have woods and metals available in the shop. If a student wanted to spend a lot of time in woods, um, then they would probably need to do the wood ID option. Um, and so same thing as metals, create some sort of a resource to help identify these common woods um, and then accurately identify them at 90% or higher. My math options, I wrote down... Um, like some, some objectives, things that they would need to be able to do. Um, like demonstrate the variables and, and constants, inverse operations, solving equations with one variable, um, solving formulas, exponents, roots, measurements and angles, decimals and fractions and degrees, um, stuff like that. Nobody picked that unit. Um, but if they did, um, they would need to go through and, and on a, in a written test, um, be able to demonstrate each of these skills at least twice with a 90% accuracy. Um, but no one picked that, and so less stuff for me to do. A um, lot of metal ID options were chosen. Um, so that's a two-week unit. So I have students doing just a couple of different things. Um, I think that'll be, that'll be pretty cool. Um, they're, I think I have more buy-in, um, for each of these options because the student got to choose what they wanted to do. Um, but it, once they choose their option, it's still very structured and you need to complete this, you need to practice this, and then you need to pass at this percentage um, by this day. And so I think once they get into those units, um, that they'll have pretty good success because they they chose. And if they don't like it, then that's, that's on them and they're still expected to um, fix it. Or not fix it, complete it. So once we finish shop skills, that's a two week, two week unit. We're gonna go into equipment management. Um, so what I'm gonna do is split up all the equipment I have in my shop um, between all of the students I have in those in those two classes. And so one student will have um, the MIG welders, and then one student will have the big MIG welder. One student will have four of the arc welders that are the same. A different student will have the arc welder that's different. Um, a different student will have the plasma table. And so like each of the pieces of equipment is managed by a different student. And we're gonna create a year long maintenance schedule for the equipment. Um, and so they'll, I have the manuals for everything. So they'll start with the manual, um, look at the manual's recommendations, um, estimate how much we're gonna use the equipment um, and when we're going to use it, which that's information that I can provide. Um, and they'll put together a maintenance schedule. Um, and then with that maintenance schedule is how often do we need to get new gas for the MIG welders? How much does that cost? What's our estimated cost for upkeeping this equipment for the year? Or how much is, does the wire cost? How much should we have in stock? How much do we have in stock? Do we need to order some now? Do we need to order some in December? like write out that calendar and then the estimated costs for it. 
So that'll help them know what to do with equipment um, if and when they get their own. And so they can figure out how to take care of their own stuff. Um, and then also it helps me as the teacher because they're going through and creating maintenance schedules for all of my equipment. Um, so that, that'll be useful like as a baseline to start with as a teacher. Um, figure out how accurate it, it is and then over the years be able to develop it so, so that it's very accurate. So for their, their equipment, they'll also create um, pre-operation, operation, and post-operation procedures, um, and those will be posted on the equipment. Um, and so if someone goes up and starts to use their equipment and they don't remember exactly the steps to do before they start it or exactly the steps to do when they're done, um, it'll be posted on the equipment um, just as a reminder. So we'll go over all of that before they go and use the equipment. Um, but just as a, a visual reminder of what specifically to do before, during, and after, um, the list will be posted right there where it's easy to see um, and right where we need it. Um, and then they're also going to create a safety guide for each piece of equipment. So that'll be more like a like a full page in um, page protectors, uh, maybe hung on the wall above the equipment or, or nearby, um, just some some basic basic safety guidelines for using the equipment. Um, so it'll be a little bit longer than a little like sticker put onto the machine. Um, and this unit is also, the students are also required to get an A to pass this unit. Um, and so those three we're all doing at the same time. Um, after those three, that's where the calendars came in and they all got to look through the descriptions of the rest of the units and arrange them in the year um, as they as they please. Um, so one of the units is oxycetylene welding and cutting. Um, there's three sections to it, or three units within this topic. Safety, beginning, and advanced. Um, oh, safety, beginning, advanced, and then cutting. And so they could do safety, beginning, or safety beginning and advanced, or all four of them. Um, and I give them the option that if they want to do safety and beginning now, they can pause that and come back to advanced and cutting later. But if they want to get to cutting, they have to get through safety beginning and advanced first. Um, so they have to complete them in order. Um, but the only two that they have to complete back to back are safety and beginner. Because I want the safety um, to come right before the use of the equipment. And then while they're using it, um, they'll use those safety practices and they'll become natural. So then when they come back to advanced and cutting, uh, it's already right there. So there's a list of, list of objectives. When they start this unit, they'll, they'll sign a, um, we'll sign an agreement that they're, um, starting this unit on this day is expected to be completed by this day. This is how far they're going, um, like which sections that they're going to complete the list of assignments that goes with it. Um, and then our, our bell work every day will be, what's your goal for for the day? Um, are you on track for your unit? Do you need to adjust? And so we'll be, we'll be checking in every day on where we're at. Um, so that's one of the options, oxycetylene welding and cutting. Um, I'll have two setups for that. And so one of the things I have to do is take each of their individual calendars and then smoosh them together into a giant class calendar and make sure that I don't have eight people trying to oxyacetylene weld because I have two stations. Um, and it doesn't matter what order these this one goes in. 
And so I'll, I'll look at them, figure out who wants to do what, and then make sure I have all the equipment to support that. Um, another unit that's an option is gas metal arc welding. Um, there's safety beginning and advanced levels. And so they can, they can pause between beginning and advanced and come back to advanced if they please. Um, but same thing, we'll, we'll start out with an agreement when they start the unit, start on this day, end on this day. These are the assignments, expectations, whatever. And each one of these starts with, um, safety. And so they have to pass safety in order to continue into the unit. Um, so we did the overarching shop safety and just how to be in this space and be smart. Um, but specifically, this is how you gas metal arc weld, um, safely. And so they're, they're doing a lot of safety this semester, but for the equipment that they're going to be using. Um, and so with the welds, what I'm doing for grades, um, in the beginning unit, the scores that are listed out in that section, um, will each be worth a hundred points and then I'll, I'll grade them, um, based on a variety of things, but basically I'm a 100% would be a perfect weld. And so we're grading against perfection, um, and trying to build up the student's skills to that. So I think in the past, even my advanced welders has just been more of a, a checkoff type situation. Um, and just being able to look at it and say, yeah, that's good enough. Um, check, you get a grade for that. Um, I think that we need to focus on the quality of those welds and um, compared to a perfect weld, how good is this one? Um, I think that'll that'll build up student skills. I have a lot of students that want to be underwater welders. And so that those students in particular, this will be very good for them. Um, and for everyone else, being able to see um, what the perfect example is um, versus what they can attain and then through practice getting closer to that um, I think it'll help them improve their welds by focusing on like small pieces at a time so I'm excited for that grading process uh, as they finish the welds in this unit like if there's a list of 10 welds for each one they'll um, take the drill press and drill a hole in the corner of it and then we're going to string them together on a wire um, and then it'll be their their GMA beginning welds are all together. And then their GMA advanced welds are all together. Um, so I think that'll be, that'll be um, pretty neat. Another unit, um, shielded metal arc welding. I've got five welders there. Um, three sections, safety beginning and advanced. Um, same as all the other... Same as the other two so far. They can do safety beginning together and then save advance for later or all three together. Um, grading is the same as um, gas metal arc. So they'll get their, they'll sign their document, get their list of welds and start working on it. Um, and then what I'm going to do for students that are behind schedule, um, like on Tuesdays and Thursdays after school for an hour or two hours, uh, whatever we decide, the shop will be open for practice or homework or or whatever um so students can come in extra hours and work on things so another unit is plasma cutting um this one's kind of short it's just with the hand plasma torch and so they'll cut a line in a circle um and they got it through safety and then cutting and then they'll get graded on um those cuts out of 100 again 
the important part on that one is the safety section. Because the next unit, the CNC plasma cutting, um, it's an optional unit, but they can only attempt the unit if they have completed um, GMA, safety beginning, SMA, safety beginning, and plasma cutting. Um, and so if they've completed the plasma cutting safety, um, then they know like the things about a block plasma cutting, the arc, the um, like the safety, like the eye safety for it. Um, so then they're going to go through another safety unit for specifically the CNC plasma cutting, um, which will be easy because they've already completed so much safety. Um, so they should be able to fly right through that. So they'll do safety, the computer design, the actual cut, and then also finishing the product. Um, I need to get a fire cabinet so I can keep like spray paint and stains and things. Um, so for this unit, the, the piece that they're going to cut um, is going to be um, like a, a university logo or a, a school logo or a, something that someone in the community like would want. Um, I think my max size is going to be two feet by two feet. Um, and then these um, pieces of metal art um, are going to be sold to the local booster club. And then that's one of our fundraisers. It used to be that they were making chairs, but then students were spending a lot of time making the chairs and not a lot of time doing the things that they wanted to do. Because um, students wanted to be in the metal shop, not in the wood shop. So I'm... Um, changing up what we're making this year but I think that like we'll get less metal art than we did chairs but I think that the metal art will have a good response from the community so we're going to focus on those items that the community wants to have like they they want to have a Washington State University logo up on the wall um they want they want to have the the school's mascot up on the wall stuff like that um and it's a big farming community so we're probably gonna cut out some John Deere logos some um Case International logos and stuff like that. Um, things that people want. So that'll be... That'll be good for... They'll be building their skills on the plasma table. And then also, we're still participating in that fundraiser. Um, it's pretty good for double dipping. Um, our next unit, metal fabrication. This is the one where I have a lot of kids. This is what they want to do. They want to build bumpers and headache racks... And Lord knows what. They want to build stuff. Um, so this is the hardest unit to get to. Because they have to have completed um, oxycetylene safety beginning, safety beginning and advanced. GMA safety beginning advanced. SMA safety beginning advanced. Um, and plasma cutting. And so they have to be advanced welders in order to get to this unit. Um, and then there's five main, five main sections. Safety, of course, that's how we start every unit. Drafting and design, um, building an estimate, the actual fabricating, and then project finishing. Um, and so I think what they're, what the kids are thinking right now is that they're going to spend all their time fabricating and they want to get to this unit so that they can build stuff. Um, but the purpose of the unit is not to, to build stuff, it's to learn how to build stuff and how to build stuff accurately and how to plan for it um, and then how to pay for it, um, which is that building an estimate. So they'll, they'll go through each of those things 
um, and then they'll get a grade for each of those sections. Um, and for drafting and design, we're going to use either architect or engineer, engineer scales, and they're going to they're going to create a scaled drawing of their project um, and the exact pieces that they need and how they're going to fit together and how everything is going to going to work together. So that scale drawing will be worth 100 points. Um, and the project estimating that will be out of 100 points um, judged for accuracy. And so off of the drawing, they can see exactly what material they need. Um, they're going to include an estimate for um, the amount of labor that's being being put into it um, and basically write up a quote for if they were going to sell that piece. So they're going to make a headache rack that fits whatever pickup. Um, it's going to cost this much in materials and this much in time and then some sort of an additional markup. Um, and then they would sell it and make that much in profit. And so what's, what'll be exciting is after they make it, they'll go back and look at that time estimate um, and if they thought that it was going to take them seven hours and it took them 20, um, that's something that I would rather them realize now than if they actually start a business of their own and they think that it takes seven hours, it takes 20, um, the customer's angry because it's behind schedule and then they're not making any money on it because they didn't estimate for an accurate amount of time. So that's, um, that's all part of the estimate. Then actual fabricating is going to be like judging the, the welds, the quality of craftsmanship, um, and that finished product. And then they'll clean it and finish it at the end. Um, this unit, I'm going to have some options for things that they could build, um, which is basically things that I need around the shop. Like I need a, a metal storage rack, and I know where I want to put it, and I know what I want it to look like. So if a student gets to this section... And they know that they want to build something, but they don't know what. Um, then I'll have projects like that available um, that they can they can figure out. Um, but I'm not going to draft or design it because that's part of the unit. I'll just describe uh, like what I want, where I want, the needs of it. And then they'll go through and do the drafting and design and estimating and stuff like that. Um, and with this unit... The way that we're paying for materials, if you're building something for the shop, the shop will pay for it. If you're building something for you, then you will pay for it, um, which is also why the estimating um, costs is important. So, yeah, pretty exciting. But then I also feel like there's not a financial barrier to participate in this class because there's so much other things that you could do if you can't, if you can't afford to fabricate um, a bumper and then a headache rack and then a, a metal rack and then if you can't afford to do all of that you're still not sacrificing um, skills learned in the class and you're not sacrificing your grade in the class um, and you can still learn and do things just like everybody else so I think that that's important but if students want to build a giant bumper for their pickup um, I don't want to pay for it so I think that that's the fairest thing that I can do right now so two more units that are options, or two more sections. And one of them is woodworking. And so um, they would start with safety practices. And then um, to demonstrate beginning skills, I have like a, a small project that they would complete. And then for advanced skills, a little bit bigger, more complex project that they would complete. Um, and so then they'd get a score out of 100 for each one of those projects. Um, and then they'd build up skills while using them. 
And then I have a, I labeled it wood fabrication. I'm pretty sure that's not the right term. Um, but so just like the metal fabrication, the student decides what they do. That's how wood fabrication would go. And so a lot of the same skills in the, um, the drafting design, building an estimate, an estimate, building the thing, and then project finishing. Uh, this one doesn't have safety with it because they have to complete the woodworking units, um, the other ones first. Um, and so they would have already covered the safety in it, which is why that's not a requirement here. Uh, so I'd get points for each, each one of those sections. Um, and so those are the units that I wrote up, um, and that's where students are going to start. After we went through and we're com- completing our calendar, students were asking... Um, like, this is the type of thing that I think that I want to build, but it doesn't really fit into a unit. Can I write my own unit? Um, so we talked about some skills that they wanted to build and things that they wanted to work on. And in a lot of cases, came to the conclusion, yes, you can build your own unit. Um, I have a machine in the shop that says that it's a um, TIG-MIG-ARC combo machine, which I've never heard of before. Um so I'm going to do some research on that. I have an extra um, argon cylinder in the shop. And I think that I can get that up and running. But if I can, TIG will be an added unit. Because um, I have some students that really want to TIG weld. Um, those ones that want to go into welding industry like as a career. They want to learn how to TIG weld. Um, and I have some kids that want to weld aluminum for whatever reason. And so there's an, an aluminum MIG gun... Somewhere in the shop, I've seen it before. I'm still working on getting that all cleaned out. Um, so if I get that hooked up, that will be an, an extra unit. But I had one one student that wanted to um, build a, a log table um, and then use a cutout in the center of it and then inlay some metal art and then do an epoxy finish. Um, so we, we came to the conclusion, yeah, you can do that, but you need to finish the CNC unit and the wood fabrication units, and then you can do that and combine those skills and use them together. Um, and he was all for it. And he's like, yep, that's fair. Cool. Let's do it. Um, so I've got some, some students that have projects like that, that are really excited. Um, and then for CNC plasma, we added, um, uh, like a directed study type unit because um, students have different metal art that they want to cut out or like more complicated metal art. Um, and so then they would go through a CNC plasma cutting unit and they would cut out something that they wanted and they would take home and keep. Um, in turn, they would have to pay for those materials. Um, otherwise, they cut out something paid for me, um, paid for by me, and then also I get to keep the material um, and then sell that as a fundraiser. And then I have students that want to combine fabricating with CNC plasma cutting um, and like cut out a design for a headache rack and then bend it all together um, and like fabricate that. And so they need to finish the CNC plasma cutting and fabrication and then we can fabricate using um, the CNC plasma skills. Um, So they went through their calendars, scheduled everything out. A um, lot of kids, because the order I presented it was Oxygema, Esma. And so that's the order everybody put them in. Well, that's not going to work because I have two oxycetylene stations. And so I'm going to have to 
rearrange which students are doing which. Um, and then we can all go through those units in a decent amount of time. Um, I have two kids who are in both ag mechanics classes. So what we're doing there is figuring out um, the oxycetylene unit, which class, um, fifth or seventh, is earning a grade for that skill. Um, and then are you only going to work on that during fifth or are you going to work on that fifth and seventh? And then that grade will go to fifth. And the next unit you work on, if it's GMA, if you work on it in both classes, maybe that should count in your seventh period grade. And so we're, we're trying to figure out how they can earn grades in both classes. Um, and then still use both classes to work on the same skill instead of jumping between two. Um, I also don't want them to have to complete two of every welds in order to earn grades in both classes because I think that that's also not the most wise use of time. Um, so working with them, they've got some big um, fabrication projects that they want to do at the end of the year though, and so they're pretty motivated to get through everything to get to those units. Um, and those are some of the students that I gave examples of building their own units of study and skills that they want to work in. Um, yeah, that's my that's my ag mechanics units. Um, one of the one of the biggest challenges I think I'm gonna have is if a student gets behind in um, ESMA, and I have three welders, and another student is ready to start that unit. Um, I think that'll be the biggest challenge of someone not completing by a certain date, and then a different student is banking on them actually completing by that day. And then not having enough equipment for the students um, or people that are moving too slow. So I'm estimating that we're going to be a couple weeks slower than everyone thinks that they will. Because um, even the students who have welded before and are like really good at GMA, um, they've not done the specific welds that I'm going to assign and they've not been graded like I'm going to grade. Um, so I think that they've still got some learning and growth to do, and I don't think that they're going to get it through it as fast as they think that they will. But knowing that, I'm still going to put together the class calendar, knowing that it's going to change, um, and then keeping those after-school times um, available for the students to, like, if, if they're just a little bit behind in GMA and they want to come in and, and work on it and just get through this one weld, then providing them that time um, after school. Because I think it's hard, like, learning how to weld when you only have a 54-minute class period. You have to come in, do your bill work, set up, weld, and then clean up. Um, when I sit down and weld, I need, like, three hours. And so I think that students like that um, will take advantage of the after-school opportunities um, if they don't have sports practices or other things. I think they'll take advantage of that and come in um, and learn those skills. So... Anyway, that's my Ag Mechanics unit. Thanks for listening. You just listened to my third episode where we talked about behavior issues in the classroom, um, building relationships with the administration, and then also how I decided to set up my Ag Mechanics classes. This is Trying to Teach Ag with Miss Hicks. Thanks for listening.